You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. And coming up, we're going to talk with CBS Sports NFL writer Jeff Kerr about the Eagles' 2021 season. We'll talk a lot about the Julio Jones trade rumors that are out there right now. We'll talk some Nick Sirianni. We'll talk some Carson Wentz in Indianapolis. And we'll go through the Eagles' schedule and get his thoughts on how he thinks the Eagles will do and some of the, the big games this year that you should be uh, keeping keeping an eye on. So all that coming up here in the next few minutes of Eye on the Enemy. But before we jump into all that, I wanted to dive a little bit more into the Julio Jones rumors that are going on right now. Nothing concrete linking the Philadelphia Eagles to the Atlanta Falcons uh, future Hall of Fame wide receiver. But uh, Julio Jones obviously is out there in, in trade talks. He, we, You heard the interview on, the, you know, the, on Undisputed. Uh, he's uh, he, he wants to get out of Atlanta. He wants to go play for a winner. He specifically mentioned he didn't want to go play for the Cowboys because they weren't a winning team. So uh, that just tells you right now that Julio Jones is a very smart individual. And uh, But that also means Philadelphia probably <laughs> wouldn't be a destination for him. One wouldn't think. Although, I don't know how much of it is in his control. I mean, the Falcons can trade him to whatever team offers them the best deal. And the Philadelphia Eagles right now have two first round draft picks. And then they have that Indianapolis Colts pick for next year. That could also be a first round pick, depending on how well Carson Wentz does in Indianapolis. But right now it's a second round pick. And so the, the there's a number of questions surrounding Julio Jones and where he might end up. There are a number of teams where he would, I think, certainly be a better fit, where he would take a team over the top. Super Bowl contenders, teams that are already pretty assured that they're going to be playoff teams, but adding a guy of Julio Jones' caliber might make them Super Bowl favorites even. Uh, there's a team in this division, the NFC East, where you add Julio Jones to that roster Suddenly, it's a very scary team, and of course, I'm talking about the Washington football team. They, they have a great defense already. The question mark is a quarterback with Ryan Fitzpatrick, but you throw Julio Jones into that roster, oh boy, you know, that's a, that Washington football team could be, could be pretty scary if, if that were to happen. But let's talk about the Eagles just for a second. I mean, Darius Slay is out there trying to recruit Jones to Philadelphia on social media. Um, you know, I think... We would all be very excited if Jones were to come to Philadelphia, but if they were to do it, if the Eagles were to pull the trigger, they would probably have to get rid of one of their two first-round picks next season. Maybe the Eagles would only have to give up that Colts pick, which, again, could be a one, could be a two, depending on how Carson Wentz plays in 2021. So the question isn't whether the Eagles will do it, because none of us have any idea. The question is, should the Eagles do it? Should the Eagles pull a trigger, pull the trigger on a Julio Jones trade? And let's say they got to give up one of their first round picks to do it. I think there are five pros to doing a deal and five cons to doing a deal. And after I read these down to you, I'll give you my thoughts on whether or not they should do it. I think the first pro is that 
in my, in my eyes, Julio Jones is still an extraordinarily talented wide receiver. He would automatically become the number one wide receiver on this team and probably any other team that he joins. He's just 32 years old. I mean, some guys in the NFL age faster than others, but uh, Julio Jones, we're not quite sure yet. Last year was a weird season. He was hurt for a number of games last year. He only played nine games, but still caught 51 out of 68 targets for 771 yards and three touchdowns. He would have been well over 1,000 yards receiving again if he had played the full 16-game schedule. He averaged 15.1 yards per reception last year, which was his highest yards per reception total since 2017, and his 85.7 yards receiving per game would still have ranked first on the Eagles last season among all pass catchers by a lot. The next closest is Dallas Goddard, the Eagles' tight end, with 47.6 yards per game. Travis Fulgham led all wide receivers at 41.5. So, I mean, we're talking a good 44 yards per game better for Julio Jones last year, better than any Eagles wide receiver finished last season as far as yards per game. So, yes, I think Julio Jones probably still has that that top-tier talent that would automatically make him a huge addition to this Eagles offense. The second pro is that it would help develop Jalen Hurts. I mean, the Eagles spent a second-round pick on Jalen Hurts, and while they haven't come right out and said he's our guy this year, he's clearly their guy. So would Nick Sirianni, would Howie Roseman, would Jeffrey Lurie give to Jalen Hurts what they never gave to Carson Wentz? And that is a big-time, bona fide wide receiving target. I mean, I guess they went and they got Alshon Jeffrey ahead of the 2017 season. And hey, look what that did. Got him to a Super Bowl. So would they do the same thing for Jalen Hurts? Would they go out and they get would they go out and get a guy like Julio Jones would automatically be a huge boost to Jalen Hurts's chances of making a big impact at the in the at the NFL in the NFL here in year number 2. It's it's something that the Eagles should certainly consider helping their quarterback get him prime talent and not just try and take stabs at, at in the draft at certain types of players, but actually go out and get an established NFL star to help Jalen Hurts, to help his growth. Because you don't have to be quite so perfect in your first full season as a quarterback if you've got Julio Jones out on the field with you. So that is pro number two. You would help develop Jalen Hurts. Pro number three, it could give the Eagles a potentially elite offense. If you believe that Devontae Smith is going to be a really good wide receiver, even in his rookie season, and if you believe that maybe Jalen Rager, he talked a lot this week at OTAs about how they're going to be playing him in the slot. You play him in the, in the slot. Maybe you're able to take advantage of the speed mismatch that no, they were never able to take advantage of last year. Jalen Rager was not a productive player last year. His route running was not crisp. He was not able to stretch the field. But if you've got Julio Jones out there and you've got Devonta Smith out there, now all of a sudden maybe Jalen Rager in the slot gives you another dynamic pass catcher. And who knows what the Eagles have in Travis Fulgham. He was so up and down last season. He's a total enigma. Is Fulgham good? Is he not good? I'm not sure. But you at least, I think, in Devonta Smith and in Julio Jones would have two very talented wide receivers on the outside for him to for Jalen Hurts to throw to. And then you got to figure that's going to help Miles Sanders. If Miles Sanders can stay on the dadgum field and stay healthy, maybe Miles Sanders bounces back and has a has a solid season. And you know, you go out and you you, you get it, you 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 pick a draft pick in the in the 5th round that you, you hope is going to help you in the in the running back spot. You have Dallas Goddard who appears ready to take on the mantle of the number 1 tight end on this team. I don't think I still don't think Zach Ertz is going to be back, but 
with Dallas Goddard, you might not need Zach Ertz at the stage he's in in his career. And frankly, you could use the cap savings. And then the offensive line, if healthy, can possibly be good because you've got Lane Johnson, you've got Brandon Brooks, you've got Jason Kelsey, you've got Isaac Samalo. Left tackle is going to be interesting with Andre Dillard and Jordan Mailata battling it out, I think, in training camp to see who gets the starting left tackle spot. But you've got the potential for a good offensive line if you bring Julio Jones in. That's a possibility that it, that the offense really comes together. And maybe you can compete in the NFC East. And that takes me to pro number four. The NFC East is still pretty weak, I think. You've got a really good offensive team in Dallas with Dak Prescott and, and all those offensive players, but I don't think Dallas has done a whole lot to improve their defense this offseason. Washington has added some pieces, but again, Ryan Fitzpatrick is still a question mark, and Washington is Washington. They were not a winning team last year. So who's to say exactly what Washington has? I like their roster. I think they have probably the best overall roster in the division right now, but it's pretty close, and it's not a 12-win team. This is not a Super Bowl contending team we're talking about in Washington. And then the New York Giants, Daniel Jones still has to stop turning the ball over. They've got a ton of talent at the skill positions, but they are quite they have question marks on defense, and they have question marks on the offensive line. So this is a division that if you get Julio Jones and you're the Eagles, maybe you become the favorite to win the division. It might not be anything more than a, you know, a nine and eight record, maybe a 10 and seven record, but you have the opportunity to win the division. If you go out and get a player like Julio Jones. And then the fifth pro is that it would generate excitement among the fan base. It, and I obviously would Eagles fans would get super excited about bringing a future hall of fame wide receiver into the fold and really give your offense, give your quarterback, give your team a chance. It basically it sends a message to the fan base that we don't think we're going to stink this year. We actually think we might be good. Again, I think that this Eagles team is really going to struggle, but you bring a guy like Julio Jones in and maybe the culture changes and you get some people believing and there's you know, it's stranger things have happened, right? I mean, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that bringing Julio Jones here makes you better and it would certainly generate excitement among the fan base and this organization desperately needs fans to feel excited about it because fans do not feel excited about this football team right now. Now, there are some cons of uh, to trading for Jones and the, and I think the biggest one is that you lose one of those potential those potential three first round draft picks next year. So that if Jalen Hurts is not the guy you think he is, he turns out not to be terribly good, you still have those picks, whether it's two firsts and two seconds or you have three firsts to go out and trade for Russell Wilson, trade for Deshaun Watson or some other quarterback or or use those use those picks to move up in the draft and and go get the stud quarterback that you want out of college. You You lose a lot of that flexibility. If you use that pick now to trade for a guy in Julio Jones who may be superfluous. The Eagles may not have enough talent at other spots in order for a trade for Julio Jones to work. And that's one of the other cons is that you have a lot of other con, you have a lot of other holes at other positions on this team. This team might not be ready to compete even with Julio Jones. It might not be ready to compete even with Julio Jones. And so you give away for a rebuilding team to give away a first round pick or a potential first round pick for a player who may not do enough to even get you into the playoffs. That may not be a wise expenditure, right? You're trying, you, you have these picks. So even if the Eagles use three first-round picks last year just to pick three players, you're hopefully getting three impact players for your football team that you hope will be with you for the next 
seven years or so, at least five years, if not longer than that, if you sign them to extensions. Whereas if you give away one of those now, maybe you still get two of those guys and Julio Jones. But if Julio Jones doesn't make you good enough to be a Super Bowl contender, is it worth it? Is it worth using that capital right now? That's the second con. The third con is that we don't know that Jones' age is not catching up to him. After all, he did only play nine games last year. That's the first time he's ever missed that much action during the course of a season. Do you want to spend that capital on a player who's entering his mid-30s and who, for the first time in his career, missed missed some game time last year? The Eagles have not exactly had a good history with injuries, right? I mean, these last few seasons, there have been few teams as injured as the Eagles. And what have we been saying about this Eagles team? They just keep bringing aboard veterans who get hurt. Well, this could be another example of that. This could be just another one of these veterans. Now, this would be a very high-profile veteran, of course, but it could be another veteran, another case of a guy in his early to mid-30s who's coming off an injury-plagued season who could be more injury-prone. As he ages, as he gets older here, and that certainly is a risk. That is a real risk that his age is catching up to him, and that is absolutely a con. The fourth con, the salary cap issues. The Eagles are going to have to figure something out in order to clear some some salary cap space in order to get Julio Jones on this team if they decide to go ahead and trade for him. And so who do you have to lose? Is it Zach Ertz? I mean, it seems like if you if you get rid of Zach Ertz, maybe you have enough to do it, but is that enough? Who else do you have to get rid of? What other depth do you have to cut in order to bring on Julio Jones? Now, that's a that's a trade I'm willing to make. You know, you move on from Zach Ertz to bring in Julio Jones. That's fine. But what if you have to get rid of more? What if you have to do more in order to bring him aboard? It's just, it's not clear that the Eagles have the financial ability to actually bring Julio Jones aboard the team. They certainly don't have it right now without making some moves at some point. And then the final con is, will Jones be happy playing here if this team doesn't win? And I think the jury's still out on that. Is this just a gap year for the Eagles? Are they going to be back in 2022? Will Julio Jones want to wait that long? He's going to be, you know, another year older than he is right now. Will he Will he be as effective if it's 2022 before the Eagles? I think Julio Jones wants to go play for a winner right now. He wants to get back to a Super Bowl right now. And I don't think the Eagles are going to provide him that opportunity, even if they bring him aboard. So those are the five cons and the five pros for trading for Julio Jones. And at the end of the day, I, I think I've talked myself out of it. I think I would rather hold on to those draft picks and take my chances and give myself the flexibility that if Jalen Hurts stumbles this year, if he doesn't look like he's the franchise quarterback, that you give yourself the opportunity to either use those picks to draft a guy or you just use those picks to give yourself a bunch of high-impact talent in the draft next year. Now, again, Howie Roseman has to draft better than he's drafted in recent seasons, and hopefully we'll get a, a sense for how this year's draft pick crop does, and maybe we'll be pleasantly surprised by the picks that the Eagles made this season, especially a guy like Devonta Smith and some of the other uh, picks that they made Maybe they did better this year, and then gives you a little uh, gives you a little bit more confidence that having those picks will work out for the birds. But listen, if the Eagles went out and got Julio Jones, I would certainly be excited. It certainly would give us more of a reason to watch. It seems like an expenditure that you would make if you were closer to competing for a Super Bowl. And I don't think there's any of us that can sit here today and say if the Eagles get Julio Jones, they're a Super Bowl contender. They're probably contenders to win the NFC East, 
but are they as good as the other top teams in the NFC? Are they as good as the Buccaneers? Are they as good as the 49ers? Are they as good as the Dallas, you know, are they as good as the Dallas Cowboys? The Dallas Cowboys could be, you know, a really good team this year. Are they as good? Are they as good as Washington? You know, are they, are they as good as the other teams in their division? Even with Julio Jones, it's, they, it certainly puts them in the conversation, but does it need to be a guarantee? You know, it does it need to be a guarantee if you're going to give up that, that high a draft pick for next year. So I probably would not do it. I, I think this is a spot where Howie Roseman has to hold his power and say, you know what, let's just, Let's just stay the course. Let's be smart. Let's let Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts and the rest of this team plow ahead and let's see where we are at the end of the year and let's give ourselves that flexibility after the season is over. All right, up next, we're going to talk to CBS Sports NFL writer Jeff Kerr about Julio Jones and a bunch of other stuff, talking about the birds and their schedule coming up this year. We'll do that coming up next here on Eye on the Enemy. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. And joining me to talk a little bit about your birds and uh, how things are shaping up this offseason, we're going to take a look at the uh, the schedule coming up this season and uh, some of the high points on that schedule. We'll talk a little Julio Jones. We'll talk a little bit of uh, Nick Sirianni and uh, some of the other stuff going on in the land of the birds and uh, shake, take a look at some of the, um, the folks the Eagles will be playing this year is Jeff Kerr, NFL writer for CBS Sports. Follow him on Twitter at Jeff Kerr CBS. Jeff, welcome to Eye on the Enemy, man. How are you? Hey, John, doing pretty good. You know, just 
another busy day in the NFL, I guess, which is weird to say in late May, but you know, yeah. we got a lot of people talking. Lamar Jackson's been talking. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of quarter, a lot of quarterbacks, honestly. I, I think Patrick Mahomes is scheduled to speak tomorrow. So it'll be a pretty interesting Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's kind of surprising in a way, I think, and because uh, with these OTAs and these voluntary minicamps, I know there was a lot of talk about a lot of teams not having them or players boycotting them or all that kind of stuff. But it seems like for the most part, teams have kind of, at least uh, especially with the Eagles, they, they've kind of reached some kind of compromise so that they're able to get some some work in here uh, during the summer, which, like you know, is, like you said, is usually kind of the dead period here in the NFL. Yeah, and you know, I'm so used to the whole they have like that phase three where, and I'm sure you guys are used to this over at Bleeding Green where you guys are going to actual practices and it's not just once a week either. It's like three times a week and you have those three separate periods and you get the mandatory minicamp. It's a different change of pace, but I don't know, maybe it's because of the Zoom calls and stuff. I feel like teams are a lot more available than they were in previous years. But then again, 2020 was a pandemic year, so we really didn't have any of this. Yeah. So, um, well, let's talk a little bit about some of the, the news going around in the NFL before we take a look at the Eagles' schedule. Now, I do want to get your thoughts on it because I know you wrote a piece for CBSSports.com about uh, how you thought the Eagles were going to do this year and went game by game. But obviously, the, the big news around the NFL right now is, is the Julio Jones talk. And, man, I, I don't know Shannon Sharp from Adam. Man, that was underhanded. I don't know. I, there's no way Julio Jones could have known he was live on TV, right? No, there's no way. And even if he did, I think he would have said, like, I knew I was live. Like, it was just yeah. one of those. I feel like and look that we we both know not everybody watches Undisputed. I think right. the, I think Richard uh, Deeds from Sports Illustrated always has like the number. I'm, no, sorry, he's with the athletic now. See, this yeah. is how much I keep a tap of media. Members. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, only like 600,000 people watch Undisputed and. I remember, like, someone in the slack room at work was like, you're a Julio said on Undisputed? I'm like, I haven't watched Undisputed, like, ever. So <laughs> I, I don't understand, like, what's he talking about? They're like, oh, Shan Sharp goaded him into this. And I'm like, wait, Julio Jones is actually leaving? Like, uh, you know, we kept hearing that was a rumor, but it, it looks like he's out. And then the whole Dallas Cowboys thing, that kind of made me laugh. Like, yeah, I thought beautiful. for sure that'd be one of the teams he go to. Yeah, no, he doesn't want to go to he wants to go to a winner. Clearly, that's not Dallas, according to Julio Jones. So but that does that does actually beg the question. You know, it sounds like Julio Jones is on the trade block at this point. Um, You know, I don't know if the Eagles are involved in this. I guess the, the question to ask isn't whether the Eagles are involved in this. It's whether the Eagles should be involved in any kind of trade discussion for Julio Jones, because it sounds like the Falcons won number one pick. The Eagles have at least two number one picks next year. A third one could materialize depending on how Carson Wentz does in Indianapolis. Given his age, given everything else, his talent and and what the Eagles have to work with right now, would you pull the trigger for a for a let's say for the Indianapolis pick, which could be a second, could be a first. Would you pull the trigger on a Julio Jones trade if Atlanta said, Yeah, we'll do that? I'll tell you what, John, you read my mind here because think about this. And we were talking about this on 973 the other day. You're basically training Carson Wentz for Julio Jones. Seems like a pretty fair trade if you want to look at it that way. I mean, it's a first round pick that we don't even know if it's going to be a first round pick yet might be a second round pick, but you know, you could sell to the Falcons. Hey, we'll give you a conditional first round pick or as the, the Eagles listed as the Colts called it a second round pick. Cause that's yeah. technically what it is, but yeah, that's a fair trade. I think Carson Wentz for Julio Jones, you're upgrading at a position of need. I mean, the Eagles still have Devonta Smith, but man, can you imagine Devonta Smith and Julio Jones are actually doing something for the quarterback that you didn't do for the previous mm-hmm. quarterback. And that's actually give him some playmakers and give this man a chance to succeed. And if he doesn't succeed, some other quarterback will, whether that'll be Sam Howell or um, um, what's the kid um, 
Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma, yeah. one, you know, one of those top draft picks. So the Eagles are going to be in pretty good shape there. And I was mentioning this um, earlier tonight on the Jaguars radio station. When a team trades for Julio Jones, I look at it as the Terrell Owens situation. When the Eagles got him in 2004, he made such a difference for that team. Even though that team won 12 games the past two seasons and went to the NFC Championship game, he was the player that put that team over the hump. I know he wasn't there for the playoffs, but the Eagles were by far and away the best team in the NFL that season, even though they didn't win the Super Bowl. And that's what Julio Jones can do for a franchise. I'm not saying the Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl if they get Julio Jones, but they could be favorites in the NFC East if they were to pull the trigger on a trade like that. And so I guess that's the question. Like, how good does it make the Eagles? How good does it make the Eagles offense? Because for the reasons you mentioned, I mean, Julio Jones in with that wide receiver room, everybody kind of gets knocked down a, a slot, but that's probably a very good thing. Um, you know, I think everybody's excited about Devonta Smith, but he's a rookie, you know? So it's going to take a little bit of time probably for him. I, I'm not, ex- if you're expecting a Justin Jefferson rookie season from him, we might get it, but I don't know that that's a fair expectation. Uh, Jalen Rager, who knows what they have in Jalen Rager. Same with Travis Fulgham. So I get that it would absolutely give Tra- uh, Jalen Hurts some some more weaponry there. But, you know, what are the concerns about the fact Julio Jones missed a few games last year? I think he missed five games last year, if I'm, if I'm remembering the, the games played correctly. And, um, you know, the numbers were, were down. His overall numbers were down because of the games missed. Has at 32, has he, is he still that guy? Is he still that elite guy that can help put a team over the top? Yeah, I still think he is. And he was still second in the NFL in receiving yards per game last year, even with missing all those games through the injury. And you know, I think it's more of the Falcons weren't just a good team and he was beat up and they were really relying on Julio last year. But you have to remember something. Julio Jones has set so many records already as a wide receiver, and he is only 32 years old. I still think he's that game-breaking wide receiver. And this is why I keep saying the team like Kansas City should definitely be interested. Baltimore especially. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly yeah. think Julio Jones could take the Baltimore Ravens to the Super Bowl if they get him. It, it'd be almost like a Stephon Diggs-type move. You know, you were getting that big of a difference maker into your offense. And I think that's what he would do for a team like the Eagles. I think he'd do that for a team like Washington. You know, He's not going to Dallas, but I mean, even Dallas, like they're low the wide receiver and can you imagine them getting him or you know any of these teams you know Arizona wants to get them it's it's the exact same thing it's they know what type of player Julio Jones is he still can produce at a high level at 32 years old and you're getting this guy for the remaining three years of his contract and I'm sure he'll want an extension but you can talk that after the 2021 season because I think no matter where Julio goes he's gonna ball out in your the other part of this is the salary cap situation that the Eagles are in. Uh, they would obviously need to do some things in order to get Julio Jones's contract underneath underneath the cap number. Is it even financially possible that they could make something like that happen? Well, I'm sure getting rid of Zach Ertz would be one way of doing that. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it's yeah. a little more than obviously Zach Ertz, but the post-June 1st deadline is really going to help with that with the salary cap space because then you could spread out the 2022 and 2023. I know my colleague Joe Corey had – the actual numbers down, I think you only pay Julio Jones, I think it's $7.8 million this year. The Eagles could do that if they would find a trade partner for Zach Ertz or just flat out release him, which is probably what Zach Ertz wants at this point. But, I, I mean, yeah, they, they could financially make it work if they were able to get a deal done past Tuesday. But, you know, I, I'm one of those people, I think I would trade a first-round pick for Julio Jones if I was in a Super Bowl window. If I'm the Eagles, I would – probably offer that Colts pick just to see what Atlanta would do. If, if Atlanta has a better offer from somebody else, let it have it. But I, I will say this. I, I think the Eagles have done their homework on at least trying to acquire a player like Leo Jones. I don't think the Eagles think they're as bad as everybody seems to think they are. 
Well, in that vein, let's talk a little bit about the schedule next year and talk about your picks. Um, and, and, you know, I think it's an interesting it's an interesting team. There is a scenario where this team could be a good team, where this team could win the NFC East. And I think for me, it all centers around the quarterback, right? I mean, and I said this in a previous podcast, if Jalen Hurts does in his second year, what Donovan McNabb did in his second year under Andy Reid, this team probably wins the division, right? Because in, in Andy Reid, yeah, 1999, Don McNabb played like the last five games of the season. And then 2000, that that was that was a team that Donovan Don McNabb's athleticism and his playmaking ability took them to go the on MVP that year. Honestly, he was yeah. number two in the MVP voting. Uh, if Marshall Vaught doesn't run for twenty six touchdowns, McNabb wins MVP. That's how valuable he was. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> I mean, and and so maybe that's maybe that's expecting too much from Jalen Hurts. But when I when I think of a comparable, I, th- that's kind of where my mind goes, at least as far as former former Eagles quarterbacks are concerned. So as you went down through your list, you know, and, and you look at this team and you look at this roster as a whole, you look at the schedule, how, how do you think, how do you see this season shaking out for the birds? Well, I'll tell you what, John, I'm concerned about the early part of the schedule. No doubt. I mean, you got Atlanta, you got San Francisco, you got Dallas right off the bat. If they can find a way to go one and two, that's going to be awesome for them because San Francisco is going to be really good, at least in my opinion. And they'll present a challenge to the Eagles offensive line. Dallas is going to be tough to win in Dallas. Eagles haven't won there since, what, 2017, and Dallas yeah. was down. They, they didn't have Ezekiel Elliott in that game, so I think that's going to make a difference. And last year they had Dallas on the ropes for the first half, and then I think the depth settled in, and, you know, everything just went off the rails at that point. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, that, that's going to be tough. Uh, honestly, wouldn't it be awesome, though, if, say, Julio Jones would face his former team week one? <laughs> I, I, you know, I keep, I keep saying to myself, you know, that would be a neat little storyline or – you know, for Julio Jones to just not be in Atlanta anymore week one, which looks like it's going to happen. So I, I think that week one game against the Falcons is a must-win game for the Eagles. And I know it's going to be tough going up against Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts and Matt Ryan, who always seems to torch his Eagles no matter what he does, except for one outlier in that playoff game in 2017. But, man, I, I'll tell you what, that, that is a must-win game for the Eagles. I think. I think if the Eagles can find a way to win that game, they'll survive that early portion of the schedule yeah because you've got the falcons you've got the 49ers you're at the cowboys then you have to host the chiefs in week four so that that's, is that's an L. i'm just gonna say that right now it's a <laughs> yeah so if you're, you're staring down a one and three start at the you know we're staring down the barrel of a one and three start there and then you get the panthers uh in week five in carolina and then you get tom brady and the buccaneers in week six so i mean you're looking at and that's in that first six weeks you got one team i think that you you would say i mean the eagles are probably aren't favored in any of those games but the Panthers are probably your best shot at a win. You could very easily be looking at one and five through the first six weeks of the season. If they're two and four or three and three, I'm going to pat Nick Sirianni on the back because that that is a gauntlet of a schedule. You're basically playing the two best teams in football in a span of what uh, ten days, something yeah. like that, that, between Chiefs and the Bucks. I mean, that's brutal. Uh, the, the Eagles' first half, or at least their first six games, are they're treacherous. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie, and it's kind of like. I, I did the Detroit Lions game by game schedule uh, the other day too. And it's the same thing. Like they have a brutal first stretch of the schedule. It's almost like, okay, yeah, we're trying to get this bad team to be really bad. So we don't have to worry about them. until Thanksgiving, that type of thing. But the Eagles, it's going to be a little different because they're just not playing the NFC East early on this year. They're, a lot of their games are their big division games are at the back half of the schedule. And yeah, yeah, you know, I, I may be jumping a little ahead here, but they can be like five and seven, you know, six and six going into that. They might be in really good shape. 
Yeah, so week 12 at the Giants, it's the second divisional game that they play. Uh, it'll be, uh, um, they'll have played 11 games up to up to that point. So you get the Giants in New York in, in week 12, and then you get the Jets, and then, you know, you, you're hosting Washington, you're hosting the Giants, and then you're at Washington, and then you're hosting the Cowboys. So, I mean, it does, you're, the, the back end of this schedule is going to be all NFC East by that point. And so as you look at the NFC East as a whole here, you've got a Washington team that to me looks like it probably improved itself as much, if not more than any team in the NFL this year. Of course, a lot of that's going to going to hinge on Ryan Fitzpatrick. You've got a giants team that seems to have a lot of talent at the, uh, at the skill positions on, on offense. The defense is still a, a bit of a question mark as is the, the offensive line. And then you've got the Dallas Cowboys who if Dak Prescott is back healthy, that is an offense that should just put up a ton of points. But did they do enough to fix the defense in Dallas? There's all kinds of question marks in the NFC East right now. If it's not the Eagles, and I don't think it is the Eagles, who is the best team in the NFC East at this point? Yeah, I keep saying Dallas is the favorite because of Dak Prescott. I think Dak Prescott is going to make a huge difference in that division. I think you and I can both agree. If Dak Prescott is the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys all 16 games last year, they'd probably win the NFC East and get bounced by Tampa in the first round instead of Washington. But Washington, you're right. They made so many improvements across the board. I love the Curtis Samuel signing. I love mm. them drafting uh, Danny Brown from North Carolina. Uh, Antonio Gibson's a stud. J.D. McKissick is one of the best receiving backs in football. I think he ended up with like 70 catches last year which really went under the radar for how valuable he was that off Ryan Fitzpatrick again like with Ryan Fitzpatrick is a backup quarterback he's actually one of the best quarterbacks in football but if he's a starter we just don't know I think he's yeah. a good fit for Ron Rivera I think Rivera's a great coach for them uh their defense is a top five defense uh you know their passer I know they're losing Ryan Kerrigan but man that pass rush is so good Montez Sweat Chase Young Teron Payne Jonathan Allen it's just an embarrassment of riches there uh, to me, their offense can be a top 15 offense. I honestly feel Washington can win 10 and 11 games this year. That's how high I am on Washington right now. Yeah, and I'm based out of the Northern Virginia area here, so uh, I, I there's a lot of positivity. I mean, it's amazing how fast it can turn around in the NFL, and if there's anything Eagles fans should feel good about, it is that things can turn around quickly because the, the talk around here last year was doom and gloom about the Washington franchise, and now everybody's feeling pretty optimistic about where things stand here. Uh, with Washington. Um, so early on here, your, your first impressions of Nick Sirianni, what, what are your, what are your thoughts on the Eagles first year head coach as, uh, as he very energetically uh, tries to get this team uh, through a season, which I think a lot of us understand there's going to be some growing pains, but what, what has been your take? What have been your takeaways from his, his uh, the first few months of his tenure as Eagles head coach? He just seems like a guy who's, like you said, John, very energetic. I think he's excited to be an NFL head coach for the first time, and I think he's a guy who wants to prove people wrong. And, I, you know, I hate to bang that drum, but he's probably going to be that coach that's like, look, no one's given us a chance, but we're better than what people say. And, I, you know, I'll translate that to my football experience. When I was a sophomore in high school, um, we got a new football coach, and I came from the school he used to coach. And, you know, I, I went up with him for the ranks. I just always knew how he – thought and it didn't matter and I went to a school that had 13 straight losing seasons it did not matter to him we are going to be over 500 we are going to be a good football team there is talent on this football team and he dragged every ounce of blood sweat and tears out of you until <laughs> the results showed and the results showed the first year you know we were over 500 everything he said was true and I feel like Nick Sirianni is that type of guy he is convincing his players of that look you guys are a good football team don't listen to the outside noise here 
We have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. We have one of the best young quarterbacks in football. We have Miles Sanders. Devonta Smith's here to change the culture. You know, if you don't want to be here, fine. You don't want to be here. But, you know, there's a reason why Ryan Kerrigan came here. He was sold on what Nick Sirianni was doing, what Jonathan Gann was doing. I can't say enough about what everybody has been saying about Jonathan Gannon. It seems like this guy is going to be the next um, defense coordinator to become a head coach in the NFL. At least that's what some NFL experts have been telling me. So that that's pretty impressive considering Patrick Graham's with the New York Giants, and it looked like he was going to get a head coaching job last year. But I just think this coaching staff comes to work every day. They're excited to come to work, and I, I think they're excited to get their players to come to work. And more importantly, they listen to their players. It doesn't feel lethargic or burn out like Doug Pearson's last year felt. Yeah, really interesting how it seems as though we didn't realize it at the time, but that Doug Peterson's last year in the in, as head coach of the Eagles was was as bad as it sounds it was. But it's it's you know, for a guy who was a Super Bowl winning head coach, it really sounds like things were just in a real bad way um with the, with the Eagles last year and so uh definitely a fresh coat of paint here with the Philadelphia Eagles and Nick That's Durian. exactly the way I would describe it. It's a fresh coat of paint. It, it's yeah. you know it's it's almost like a new paint job in NASCAR, you know. It, it doesn't actually improve, improve the performance of the car, but you feel like it does just because right. it's fresh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, yeah. And I think that's what Nick Sirianni is. He's just a change of pace like everybody laughed at him. I mean, does the rock paper scissors thing? I'd be like, shoot, I want to do rock paper scissors in an interview. That'd be the first thing I saw. Brandon Gunn did that to him the other day, and I don't think Nick Sirianni knew what he, what he was actually trying to do with the whole paper thing. I thought that was pretty cool. So yeah, well, I mean, yeah. it's it's one of those things where if you're successful, you're gonna be you're gonna be a, kind of a cool, quirky coach, and if you're not successful, you're gonna be a moron. And that's just you know that's how it goes in sports. And you know we saw that in Philadelphia, both with baseball managers and and former head coaches and all that kind of stuff. So that's just you know, the results on the field are, are where, where you're going to be judged. And so um, that being said, let's last thing I wanted to ask you about was, you know, there's some incentive for Carson Wentz in Indianapolis to do well and to root for him to do well. If you're an Eagles fan um, simply because that second round pick becomes a first round pick uh, if, if he, if he plays well in Indianapolis. And I've had the hardest time trying to figure out in my heart, am I going to root for Carson Wentz this year? Am I going to not root for Carson Wentz this year? I, I, I never, I always loved Carson Wentz. I thought he was, I think he still has a, a lot left in the tank. I think he's going to have a good year in Indianapolis, but you know, it also, he also left on bad terms and kind of left a sour taste in everybody's mouth. So strictly from a, from a draft pick perspective, I want Carson Wentz to do it as well in Indianapolis as he can. My question to you is how, how well do you think he's going to do there? It seems like a good fit for him, but do you think last year was just kind of a, a weird aberration and we're going to see the old Carson Wentz in Indianapolis? That's what we're going to find out. And there's one thing I've noticed just from, being in on the Colts news conferences the last two weeks. And it feels like it's everything is Carson Wentz related. And they are doing everything opposite of what Philadelphia is. He's like the guy, you know, everything has to be positive with Carson Wentz. And they're trying to fix. I think that's the thing they have to fix with Carson Wentz is his confidence. I think he lost all his confidence mm. in his ability last year. Frank Reich has been saying that, look, this guy is talented. This guy can do it all. T.Y. Hilton has said it. Mo Ali Cox has said it. Um, Darius Laren said, man, this guy is so extremely talented. And I feel like it's, it's almost forced now. It's like, man, look at what this new toy is doing. And yeah, I, I, 
look, I, I want him to do well there. I, I think he's a genuine guy at heart. I just don't think it worked out Philly anymore. I think it was on both sides of, of, of the coin there. You know, he didn't want to be there and the Eagles didn't want him there anymore. It just felt like a bad match. You know, it was a marriage that just went rocky and they decided to get divorced early instead of stringing it out for three or four more years. And, yeah. you know, uh, he's happy. The Eagles are happy. Uh, I hope the guy does well. I don't need to hear from Indianapolis Colts fans, though, on, oh, look, you know, see, this is what happens, you know, when you treat a guy right. And I'm like, no, you know what? I don't want to hear it. I, I know stuff about Carson Wentz that you just don't want to hear at this point. And I, I'm really curious to see with Carson, if things go bad, how's he going to react? Because I think that's that's going to be the ultimate tool for him. He could have a great first year there, a great second year there, and then he could bottom out. And that's what really um, – how can I say it? that's why I got upset with him last year. It just seemed like when things went bad or, you know, how dare you draft a quarterback in the second round when I'm the franchise quarterback, it seemed like he bought into his own height. I think he had a slice of his own humble pie a bit. And I think that's going to do well for him in Indianapolis, but I'm really curious to see what happens if he starts having a bad streak again, it, it, you know, maybe being back in the Midwest will help them out. Uh, you know, it, it just seems like he's happier there for now, but it's only, phase three of OTAs, you know, it's, yeah. it's still really early. And, you know, I, I'm glad to see him, you know, back to his, you know, bubbly all stuck self, I guess. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he never really changed that, but we didn't really hear much of him after he got benched for Jalen Hurts. And, you know, I, I know stuff he says he doesn't, it's going to rub Eagles fans the wrong way, but that's just the way it is. I, I think he's glad now to get, why didn't it work in Philadelphia? I think he's willing to move past that stage in his life. Well, I think, uh, you know, I want him, I want him to do well just because I, I was a big Carson Wentz guy the entire time he was I think here. a lot of people were. Yeah. And, and, and you think of the headwinds he's faced. I mean, I've talked about it on this podcast a, a number of times, but you know, the, the, the injury at the end of 2017, I just, I don't think we have any real sense for how much that crushed him, you know, not being able to play in that Super Bowl, and then watching, watching the backup become the hero and then have your teammates build a shrine to him the next season after you miss the rest of the season. And then you finally get the locker room on your side. And then, you know, they, they draft somebody else in the second round. And I agree with you. I think Carson Wentz, I would have liked to have seen him step up and rise to the challenge and say, Hey, okay. You draft a second round quarterback. That was a waste of a pick. Cause I'm not giving this job up, but the opposite happened. And so there was, but there were so many things with the Philly voice article. And I think Carson had to grow up a lot and maybe this did humble him. It seemed like he needed some of that, some of, some of the humbling and um, you know, I think we all do. You know, we all a lot do. of people got upset over you were comparing him to Aaron Rodgers, but as a guy who covers the NFL, I love what Aaron Rodgers did fine you pick a guy in the first round watch this i'm i'm going to make sure i am never out of here until i force my way out right what does he do he turns for 48 touchdowns and five interceptions and wins the mvp and you know that's that's what i wanted carson to do i just want him to take this team by the reins and say you know what howie roseman you're wrong like you made a mistake this guy is never going to see the field as long as i am the quarterback of this football team and he didn't do it he actually made the conversation for jalen hurts grow and that's the worst thing you could do he was just bad from week one on and you know that's what upset me about the whole thing it's yeah. i didn't think carson was like that at all <laughs> yeah yeah and i think that was it yeah i didn't think he was like that at all either and it was disappointing for sure um well listen folks make sure that you are checking out everything jeff kerr does at cbs sports follow him on twitter at jeff kerr cbs jeff loved having you on let's do it again soon okay yeah let's do it again john thanks for having me on i appreciate it 
Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. Again, my thanks to Jeff Kerr for coming on the podcast. Folks, don't forget to check out BleedingGreenNation.com every single day for the latest news, rumors, and notes, and all of our coverage on OTAs and, and all of the Eagles' voluntary workouts this, this summer as uh, they get ready for the 2021 season. And don't forget to check out all of the Bleeding Green Nation podcasts we have for you at the podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. I'm here on Eye on the Enemy. P-G-N. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot vox for $1,000 off Vanta. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.